friends, welcome to The Sarah Show. I'm your host, Sarah Chu, and I, for one, am so looking forward to today's episode. In this time of COVID, we've seen so many things fall apart. We've faced a public health crisis. We've lost so many loved ones. The racism and violence targeted towards Black people in North America was fully realized and was devastating. Sex trafficking rates increased because of the influx of internet use. The list of grievances goes on and on. This world is full of brokenness and ashes. But because of Jesus, we have an eternal hope. And that, my friends, is precisely what we're going to be talking about today. So, if you're looking for some hope today, keep listening. Okay, so I'm going to begin by telling you how this COVID pandemic season is going for me. So first... I lost a best friend to a rare heart disease a little over a year ago. That grief still feels really fresh some days, and some days I'm hit with a lethargic depression that just seems so heavy. Second, financially, things at home aren't so good. I'm growing up with big expectations and big monetary responsibilities on my shoulders really fast. Third, Family-wise, we're going through fire and storms. We need prayer to really stay strong together and make the most of the time that we have together. And then fourth, my health. It's been a complete nightmare, a roller coaster ride, really. And it began okay. I was at peak health, you know, I was working out five to six times per week. I was eating good food, getting enough sleep, having enough intentional devotional time with Jesus. And then one day I visited a farm. And at that farm, you know, we had a good time laughing, talking, we got to pick apples, and we even got to bring home our own pumpkins picked from the field. So I was super excited about that because y'all know fall is pumpkin season, you know, pumpkin spice lattes, pumpkin muffins, pumpkin loaves. I was super excited to bake with that. And then another thing I got to do this season was get my ears pierced for the second time, which is something I really wanted to do for a long time, but I finally had the time and the money to do so, so I got that done. That's a seemingly random fact, but you'll know more after you hear what happens later on. So the next day, I ate two of the yummiest pumpkin cookies that I baked, and I carried on with my day. Let me just say, it's a good thing that I work from home because that day, when I wasn't On my computer, I was in my washroom. I'm going to spare you the gory details, but I just kind of chalked it up to being allergic or intolerant to pumpkins or something. And so the day passed, you know, I worked out, it was all fine, and I fell asleep. I woke up in the middle of the night to go to the washroom again, and as I got up, the room spun and I had to sit back down, and I was like, oh, that's strange. Well, maybe I'm just super tired. So anyway, went back to bed. In the morning, I woke up, and as I got up, the room spun again, and I fell back down onto my sheets because I couldn't, I couldn't even sit up for too long. That's how bad the dizziness was, and not only did I feel dizzy, I felt nauseous. I just felt so sick, so wrong, and so I couldn't even yell to my parents to tell them that something was wrong, so I just texted our family chat and was like, hey, can someone bring me water and maybe like toast or something? I think I'm not well. Um, And so that is kind of how I spent the next four to five days stuck in bed. 
either fighting the urge to puke or giving into it. And I really couldn't stomach much food. Um, and, you know, when you're going through food poisoning um, or gastroenteritis, whatever you'd like to call it, my doctor said I had gastro um, and also vertigo, you don't really want to keep down much food. And they tell you to eat like a brat diet, which is bananas, rice, applesauce, and toast. Um, I got sick of all those foods after like the first day. And it was also hard to eat. So that was, that was a fun time. But I was just told that, you know, gastro and vertigo would just work its way out of my body in due time. But those were super miserable four days, man, just stuck in bed all the time. Now, remember how I got my ears pierced? Okay, so despite my best cleaning efforts, you know, to be struggling to even sit straight without wanting to keel over and vomit, I tried to clean my new piercings as well as I could. But one of my ears proceeded to get red and swollen. So that's, you know, normal for the healing process. And I was just keeping an eye on it, but it kept growing bigger and bigger. And it started to feel hot. And then I was feeling my lymph nodes in my neck, and they were starting to swell up. And then I started to feel that side of my face kind of get numb. So I was freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my ear. So I talked to my doctor and my doctor prescribed me antibiotics. So by this time, I had just gotten over the food poisoning. And a day later, I started to take those antibiotics for my ear piercing infection. The only catch was antibiotics cause symptoms similar to food poisoning. Fun fact. So back to the washroom I went. I was then advised to buy these really, really strong probiotics to counteract the effects of the antibiotics. Um, so yes, more medication. And the price of the probiotic pills made me so distressed. Um, and oh, also, I also caught a cold during this and had a runny nose that wouldn't stop and until my whole face was just super sore. So imagine a young girl going from healthy and poor to a girl who was practically bedridden for days, unable to talk to her friends because going on my phone made me dizzy, uh, with a painful and distressing and scary ear piercing infection, who finally gets better, only to induce those same ill symptoms on herself again to treat the said infection that started from an unwise decision at Claire's. Oh, and she's still poor. So this was my breaking point. <laughs> All of that, plus the other things I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, made me break down in tears at night. So I remember playing this worship song called Promises by Maverick City and singing along with sobs as I showed God how broken, miserable, and sad I was. I knew he was good. I knew that he was faithful, that his plans are the best for me, but I couldn't see it. My circumstances were so painful that they were blinding me from seeing his truth. You know, my story is similar to one in the Bible of two women named Naomi and Ruth. You see, Naomi and her husband Elimelech were followers of God. One day, they decided to move their whole family, Naomi had two sons, to a foreign country to escape a famine. The country did not follow God. So Naomi's two sons eventually married women from a different culture and different religious beliefs. Years passed, and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Then, Naomi's two sons died too. 
So all Naomi had left was her one daughter-in-law called Ruth, who declared she would stay with her forever and follow her God, the one true God, as well. Naomi and Ruth went to Naomi's hometown, Bethlehem, to live in. Naomi, still reeling from her losses, changed her name to Mara, which in Hebrew actually translates to bitter. So in Ruth 1, verses 20 to 21, she says, Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. She was miserable, just like me. And for context, being a widow or unmarried back then in that time and culture was not like now. They were vulnerable, financially ruined without their husband's or son's economic income, and put at risk of being exploited. So they suffered real death and loss, financial death, societal and cultural status death, safety and security death, and Naomi seemed to suffer the death of her hope and joy in God. But what does God do? He rebuilds their family. Ruth is married by a God-fearing and loving man named Boaz, and they had a son. So I'm going to read from Ruth 4, verses 14 to 16. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. So let's notice some words here. The words guardian redeemer defined a close influential relative that members of the family could turn to for help, like when the family line or possessions were at risk of being lost. This is all via Bible Gateway. So although Naomi lost her previous family, she gained a daughter, a son, and a grandson. God did not leave her without a family line, without a legacy. And then notice her name, Naomi. That's what they called her, right, in the Bible passage that we just read. So even though she originally told the people to call her Mara, which meant bitter, by the end of the story, her name was once again Naomi, which translates to pleasant. Her grief, misery, and bitterness did not define her. God's grace and mercy renewed her sense of who she truly was. And then it says, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. Let me tell you why God deserves all the praise. Naomi and Boaz's son, Obed, was the father of Jesse. And then Jesse was the father of David. Yeah, that King David. Many generations after David, another son was born. His name was Jesus. And Jesus is the ultimate guardian redeemer for us all. Guardian redeemers save their families, whether it's from slavery, buying back family land, avenging a killed relative, caring for relatives in need, you get it. So Jesus saved us when we were enslaved to sin, when we let our earthly desires that only lead to destruction and death take us away from God. Jesus called us his friends and paid the price for our sins so that we'd be forgiven and reconciled or put back into God's family. He is our living hope. He died and rose again so that we could die to our sin and our fleshly desires and live as new creations, starting fresh with God. 
Now, let's realize that that's what God did with two women who were widowed, left their homes for another country, had uncertain and unstable incomes, i.e. none, were bitter in Naomi's case, and were uncertain of their futures. But God had a good plan for their lives. All that amazing legacy and now iconic Bible book in Ruth came from a story of immense loss and death. I feel like that's so true for us now. You know, we experience the worst things day by day, but without God, we have no hope. Because we have no control over our lives, we get bitter and anxious when things don't go our way. But when we place our trust in a good and faithful God, one who sent his own son to redeem us from our brokenness and step into wholeness, we can rest knowing that his plans for our lives are better and greater than anything we could ever imagine for ourselves. So that's how we hold on to hope in those times, in these times, because the same God who made beauty from ashes in the time of Ruth and Naomi is the same and never-changing God who is alive and in motion today. It's whether or not you choose to submit your life to him today. So how will God make beauty from ashes? Only if we let him. Because we have a choice here, guys. Either let God come into our situations and create light, or choose to stay in darkness and suffer alone. He is waiting, and he's patient. He's ever ready and ever powerful enough to turn your ugliest circumstances into beautiful plans for his glory. You know what? This is what God does, you know? How does he make beauty from ashes? It's just what he does. It's his thing. So trust him and surrender your false sense of control so that you can witness yourself, his awesome power and redeeming love for you. He is with you, my friends. So reflecting on my situation, I realized some things. One, how blessed I am to have a home to rest and recuperate in during this really hard health season. Some people, scratch that, many people in our cities that we live in don't have that. Two, my doctor has been so available and so kind to me. You know, I was able to call her from shoppers at night to get wisdom on which probiotic to buy. That right there is grace. Three, even though my Thanksgiving was spent, oh yeah, did I mention this was during Thanksgiving weekend. So even though my Thanksgiving was spent without the turkey and the fanfare, I got to see my family and be loved by them all weekend. My mom tirelessly hiked up and down three flights of stairs to bring me food, to check my temperature, to pray for me, etc. She did all of these things. And by the way, she has like hip problems. So that was a big deal for her. My dad went up and down the stairs too, constantly asking if I wanted food or water. And then my sister stayed in my room and ate meals and watched TV silently beside her. And she had to listen to it silently because I actually couldn't take very many sounds without my head hurting. So she was very patient with me. And she sat with me because I felt lonely at night by myself. So she actually stayed until I fell asleep. And then God, he never left my side. I knew that Jesus was with me through all the ups and downs, through all my trips to the washroom, through all my spinning headaches in bed. God was with me, and I got to feel all that love and support from my family, and it was actually the sweetest Thanksgiving because of it. Four, 
I have the healthcare that gets me access to antibiotics and probiotics. You know, my ear infection, even though it sucked, it's actually finally improving. What a privilege it is to have access to that free healthcare, isn't it? Five, I am still poor. (laughs) This is a fact, but my God makes a way. He always provides exactly what I need. And even when times are hard and funds are low, I trust and rely on him whose plans for me are greater than simply just paying off my next bill. He has led me this far and he won't ever forsake me nor leave me. It's like this. So let's read from Isaiah 43 verses 16, 18, and 19. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea a path through the mighty waters. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So the God that we follow makes a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He can literally make something out of nothing. How do you think we're here? He literally made something out of nothing when he made the earth. So he will make a way if you trust him. So to conclude my whole story, the way that God is currently making for me is not completely visible. And I don't think I'll actually see the whole picture until I go to heaven. But for now, in the waiting and pressing and suffering, I'm going to have hope in my faithful God who has a habit of making beauty out of ashes. hope you liked that episode, friends. I had a lot of fun writing it, scripting it, thinking about it, finding the Bible verses that were on my heart. Um, I did it like super late at night because I just felt God telling me to share it. And I didn't intend to share so much, but now that I've been vulnerable, you guys know a lot more of my story. So I hope that you feel connected to know that whatever pain you're going through, that you're not alone in it, that you're not isolated in it, and that God's always there for you. He's always doing something. He's always making a way. We just can't always see it. So I hope that you have your hope tank filled up from this episode and that you can keep going on knowing that your God is fighting for you. He is good, 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 good all the time. Now, moving on to the question of the episode, what are the ashes of your life? How could God make beauty from it? And now you have not only options to journal about that, to talk to your family and friends about it, to think about it yourself, but I also encourage you to pray about it. Ask God to come into your situation and ask God to make beauty from the ashes of your life. You know, he is not um, a pushy God. He's not a forceful God. He is a gentleman. He's not going to force his way into your situation. So ask him. Ask him out of humility and love for him and all that he is doing in your life already. Ask him to make your ashes into something beautiful. I promise you, friends, he will never let you down. So pray about it. DM me on Instagram with your story. I would love to hear from you. My Instagram is at the underscore Sarah show. That's the underscore Sarah show. Super simple. And I can't wait to hear back from you. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. That is how we can get new friends to hear our episodes. And I will see you in the next one. Be blessed, friends. Bye. Bye.